asking me to get up on the stage <laughs> in front of the entire boat and wiggle my booty to win some sort of stupid game and make an ass of myself in front of everybody is not my first choice. No. Sitting in the front row where they can see you and pick you is not my first choice. I'm so sorry, but not really. Not at all. You aren't sorry at all because you won your little tchotchke. You got your plastic ship on a stick and, uh, and you got to be the VIP. And I did that because I know that that's meaningful to you right. and I chose to be uncomfortable. Welcome to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse. We're your hosts, Paul and Shannon Elmore, and on today's episode, how to patch the holes in your emotional bucket. Yep, we all have a bucket. We do. But if there's holes in it, then it's a little bit of a problem. Yeah. So let's figure out what to do about it. Ready? Yep. Okay, here we go. Alrighty. Being a little bit more specific, what kind of buckets? Oh, yeah, I guess I could be a little more specific <laughs> about that. Yes. When, basically when, um, well, I didn't expect to answer that question. You tell that part. <laughs> no, no, no. It's your turn. It's your... No, you tell that part. No. So basically, when we talk about having holes in our buckets or cracks in our cups or things like that, when, when, we just can't seem to fill up, whether that's emotionally or um, relationally. relationally, things like that. Where or or our spouse, like in the last episode, the the wife was trying everything she could, according to her email, to show love for her husband. It just never was enough. Right. So we talked about that he may have some holes in his bucket. Yeah. And no matter how much you pour into him, it doesn't it just, stick. It doesn't stick or stay. He struggles with being validated. Right. Whether that's internally or externally, but he 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 still has a sense of emptiness or or dis- disappointment. Right. Okay. So so what I would like to talk about, because I think this is really important, is a lot of people who may recognize that they've got holes in their bucket or cracks in their cup. I've heard it People mm-hmm. say that as well, that they'll always be there. Right. And there's nothing that can be done. Yeah. And something that we talk about on this podcast all the time is we're designed to heal. Right. And so we may not know, like you break a bone. Yeah. And the bone is going to heal. It may not, It depending on how you take care of Correct. it, it may heal properly or oh, it may heal wonky. wonky. Yeah. That's funny. We both thought of the same word. <laughs> So I would like to talk about um, in our podcast today whether whether um, buckets and cups can be patched up okay. or fixed or yeah. um, and maybe some ways that that can happen. Okay. Um, I, I I think about um, we've had lots of things break in our house. I'm just going to use this little okay. analogy. We've had lots of different things break. Some things that were very, very important to me, right. um, some glass vases and things like that. And other things that aren't very important, but could still be fixed. Mm-hmm. And you are very good at fixing things, patching things up. Mm-hmm. And we've had things, um, that, that I've tried to fix that, still work like mm-hmm. i remember taking super glue and gluing a, one of the vases that was it was a crystal vase that i had gotten 
probably for a wedding gift and it got knocked over. And I picked up every little piece of glass that I could find and tried to glue it back together. And it still worked and I turned it around so you couldn't see the really yucky side, right. but it still worked. Right. I could still use it. Right. There's things that you fixed that you can't even tell that yeah. it was broken. Yeah. I think about these master craftsmen who can take um, these old, antique, very valuable things that, that come into them that aren't working correctly. And they spend a lot of time and effort and fix them up so beautifully that it looks restored to new. Yeah. And, and I think that when we have empty spots or cracks in our emotional capacities or holes in our buckets and we're not being filled, I am 100% confident that those can be repaired. Yeah. And so I think that it's important for people to know and understand that. So the question is how? How do those things get repaired? Not the fact that it can be. We will just assume that they can be. We're designed for that. Yes. So how do we start to repair? The answer is really, really easy. The execution can be um, uncomfortable. Yes. Not not necessarily hard, but uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, right. And we're going to take it back to um, our 25th wedding anniversary, which what we did is we took a cruise for the very first time. But we didn't just take a cruise so that we could go watch lovely shows and have tasty food and be in the sun. There was another purpose behind the events or the experiences that we chose. Right. What was the purpose of that for you, my love? For me, um, I have always been afraid to try new things. Yes. It scares the daylights out of yes. me. It makes me horribly uncomfortable. Yes. And I realized that I was missing out on a lot yeah. because I was letting fear prevent me from trying new things and letting fear hold me back. And so I decided that on our cruise that I was not going to let fear get in the way of me experiencing new things. Right. So we did zip lining, which terrifies me. We did. um, Still does, by the way, on our 30th, our this year, which is 30 years, we just did zip lining about two weeks ago and your legs were quivering like a bowl of jello. It was awesome. But you did it. Yes, exactly. You didn't let the fear hold you back. Right. What else did we do? uh, it starts with a P and it's not pole vaulting, parasailing. <laughs> it ends with air sailing. <laughs> pole vaulting, where did that come from? I wouldn't want to try that either. So, um, parasailing. Parasailing. That was the most amazing experience. And I can't imagine, well, yeah. I, if I hadn't done it, I wouldn't know what it was like. Yep. But I would be afraid of something that is not scary. Yeah. I mean, okay, maybe a little bit, but it was amazing and yeah. i have been parasailing since yeah so um and that was the start for me to start trying things that were scary yeah and not letting fear hold me back you've just identified the most important component for people to start to heal or to patch those holes in those in their buckets Um, And that is your willingness to make yourself uncomfortable. The willingness to step into something that you know is uncomfortable and I'm still going to do it. Right. 
we went for a hike, uh, not yesterday, but the day before when the snow was coming down really, really good here in Portland. And we hiked to the top of the mountain and we did about a mile and a half, but you wanted to get three miles. Yes. And so you said, we're going to be going back and forth on this one part of the trail here. And it was cold and snowy and wet. And, and getting dark. And dark. And I said, I'm ready to go home. And you go, you can go home. I'm going to keep doing this. You were just committed to going, this is uncomfortable. I'm cold and wet, but I'm going to do this because this is important to me. Right. And you, you have found a way to counter that survival part of your brain, the part that says, I want to make sure that I am safe and healthy and comfortable. Right. That comfortable thing oftentimes keeps us trapped. Right. And so the individuals who have learned to challenge that part of their brain um, and are willing to endure manageable levels of pain, and I'm going to say that again, you have to be willing to endure painful and uncomfortable situations and you choose to do it because it, you know it comes with a better result. You know that it actually provides freedom and growth and strength and resilience. I was going to just say the, the biggest thing for me at least is it has built resilience. My yeah. resilience was very, very low. It's still not as high as I would like it to be. It's yeah. probably not as high as it will as normal is for most people because I'm a highly sensitive yeah. person, so that affects that. Very much so. But, but um, my resilience now yeah. compared to even 10 years yeah. ago is, I would say, skyrocketed. Huge. And so. Yes. Um, and what is uncomfortable is different for different people. For, yes. for you, there is some uncomfortable things around physical things, being high in the air, strapped into things, floating on parachutes, all these kind of things understandably are uncomfortable. Some people challenge themselves physically by working out. They go, I want a better body. I have to stop eating the foods that I like right. and are tasty and I have to go to the gym and start lifting things that are heavy and I start to, I hurt a week after I do that workout, but it's called productive pain. That working out of the muscles now means I have a better body, I have an image right. that I like and it's, it's worth something. We just got done watching on Netflix this crazy Korean um, uh, strengths competition and they have a hundred people come in and they have to do all sorts of crazy, crazy. feats of strength yes. and these guys are ripped. They are strong. But over and over and over, these people are talking about it's a mental game. Yes. My body is tired. My body is, is exhausted and I have to keep going. I'm going to keep pushing it because there's something of value that I'm going to get out of this. Right. I get to be the winner and I get to have a quarter million dollars in prize money. Two things that are valuable to them. So there are physical things that challenge people. For me, yeah, there's physical things that I just don't like doing. Mine is probably more socially. So on our first cruise, um, parasailing was something challenging for you. Asking me to get up on the stage <laughs> in front of the entire boat and wiggle my booty to win some sort of stupid game and make an ass of myself in front of everybody is not my first choice. Sitting in the front row where they can see you and pick you is not my first choice. I'm so sorry, but not really. Not at all. You are 
sorry at all because you won your little tchotchke. You got your plastic ship on a stick and, uh, and you got to be the VIP. And I did that because I know that that's meaningful to you. Right. And I chose to be uncomfortable. And I knew going in, my wife's going to want to do these things that I don't like. They make me socially, emotionally, relationally right. uncomfortable, but they're not going to kill me. Right. And I am willing to do that because it's probably a good thing for me to grow and expand in these areas. Right. Well, I was actually thinking about I didn't I wasn't expecting you to say that but that's so so true about that aspect of our cruise but even even um I was thinking that you're going to talk about we were at a table with about 10 people yeah. a rectangle table with about 10 yeah. people and we sat we got there first so we sat right in the middle and I we, hate small talk you do hate Hate, and hate you're small you're talk. an introvert, yep. so you are not the life of the party. Nope. You are not the start the conversation nope. or any of those things. And we were at a table with eight other introverts, and nobody wanted to talk. <laughs> no, it was crazy. And you stepped up and started the conversation. Yeah. And people sort of talked the first night. So the one, next night. One couple no, never came back. <laughs> yes. The next night we thought, okay, maybe people, we, we got people pick talking. The They'll pick up the ball. Nope. nope. Second night, who was starting the conversation? You were. Yeah. yeah. So, so you did things that are uncomfortable for yeah. you, but it also gets you better at doing those things yeah. as well. Most people don't like doing things that are uncomfortable because they're afraid that it's actually going to damage them. It's going to have a weird thing, but if I do this hard thing and I fail and I get hurt or I lose money or I lose reputation or I, I, I lose something of value that I'm not going to recover from that. Well, I think it also in, in their mind proves that they shouldn't have. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because for me, that's see, I knew, I knew I shouldn't have done that because look now I'm yeah. hurt and it's my fault. I came across this quote several years ago and I just pulled it up here again um, because it, it sums up, I think what someone who has a, a healthy bucket with no holes in it, their approach to life versus someone who has a lot of holes in their bucket and is afraid to try things or afraid of that pain of, mm -hmm. of addressing the, the things in their life that they need to address. So here's the quote. It says, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. Oh, I love that. Isn't that a fun quote I, I i i kind of feel like that that's how i'm living my life yeah. now especially with maybe not in all areas but yeah. definitely in my physical health yes, and it is and doing these um, mud runs that i'm doing and things like that i i i'm tired of n not sliding in going wow yeah but here's the thing you are showing up and because of all these experiences the hard things you've done you've been battered and bruised you're going to have scars yeah you're not going to be pretty you're going to be grizzled at the end of your life but you're going to be able to go this scar on this arm man let me tell you a story there and this this notch out of my head right here man this was an I amazing love, experience i love those stories yeah. i really do i drive a 30 year old honda Again, everyone's, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you've heard me talk about Tracy, my 
crappy little 30 year old Honda that I'll never sell. And she's got a big ding in the side and she's been damaged before. She's been stolen a couple times and broken into more times than I can talk. And she is not a pretty car, but every scar, every scar, every issue, every issue, every uh, blemish on her has a story connected to it. Right. And she's got 225,000 miles. The more miles, the better now. It's like, I can't wait to see where this car goes and what it does. Right. There are people who have this mentality in life. They're, they're selling everything. They're doing the van life thing now. And they're traveling around the world and making stories and having experiences because they're not afraid. Well, I actually watch a uh, gal on on YouTube. Uh, if you want to follow an interesting story, the name of the channel is Itchy Boots. Itchy Boots. Yes. And she's a, she's adorable. a, a gal from the Netherlands. Um, and she rides a motorcycle all over the world. And she, she is the bravest woman crazy. that I know. I wouldn't do some of no. this stuff. And I'm a six foot four, six foot two, big muscular guy. I wouldn't go to some of the places and do some of the things that she does. She has this mindset of I'm going to ride my bike through the craziest parts of the world and I'm just going to record what's happening and have these adventures and these stories. And she's fallen and broken her ankle and she's crashed her bike and she's got hung up in floods. And I mean, she's got stories. And she's definitely got the mentality of everything can be fixed. Everything can be fixed because everything can be fixed. So coming back to kind of the psychological uh, understanding or approach, there are some people who have experienced so much pain in their life, whether that's young in life and it's kind of hardwired them into kind of being safe and cautious and hypervigilant or things that happen later in life. And it's just like, man, I know how much that's cost me and I just don't want right. to risk it anymore. Um, there is this internal shift that has to happen that says, I don't want to live a small life. I don't want to have these fears, these insecurities limit me anymore. And so I am going to pick one thing and I'm going to choose to be uncomfortable. And I'm going to do that with full knowledge and full transparency and full accountability. I'm going to let other people know what I'm doing. And I might make a fool of myself. I might end up sobbing and crying, which I don't right. like, you know, how that makes me look. I might lose money. I might lose reputation. I might have people think that I'm foolish for doing, but I'm not going to be held back by some of these things. And I'm going to try. And, and some of that trying might be actually going, okay, I've had this very hard experience in my past yeah. and I need to deal with it. I yeah. need to look at it. I need to examine Easily. how it has affected yeah. me. Yeah. And that is incredibly scary to do. Yeah. But that might be one of the, the holes in the bucket exactly. that needs to be let's dealt rewind, with. Let's rewind to the previous podcast where this husband was um, saying that his no matter what his wife's doing, it's still not kind of filling that, that need in him to feel loved or wanted. And this wife's trying to figure out what to do to make him feel loved. It would be great if he goes, I, I recognize you are trying and I'm still not, we're not connecting in some way around this. So I'm actually going to give you a reprieve for 30 days. You don't have to do anything to make me feel loved. I'm going to see if I can make myself feel loved right. in some way. And that is uncomfortable. And I don't yeah. like that. And it should be your job to make me feel, wait, no, maybe not. Maybe I should make myself feel loved in the first place. And so what, what did I learn after 30 days of trying to do this thing? Did I right. learn something new about myself? That could be a version of this. Yes. Uh, 
I, I mean, I've had lots of clients who uh, their their kiddos just don't like riding in the car anymore. They're uncomfortable riding in the car. And so they've learned how to avoid riding in the car. That doesn't actually build resilience. Right. And you have to be able to kind of transport yourself in this world or else you become agoraphobic. You just don't leave your house ever again. Right. And you don't want to start that when you're 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. You want to say... I can't, I recognize my kiddo has this fear. What am I going to do that's going to start helping them build resilience, resilience around exactly. riding in the car? And so we're going to, and you only do that experientially. You can't look at how a car works and read the books and watch the videos and feel comfortable about getting in the car. That rarely have ever worked. Right. It is about getting in the car. It's about sitting there with them and going, okay, what are you feeling right now? Why are you feeling this way? And and what does it feel like in your body? And then let's ground ourselves and get, we're safe. We're okay right here. We can get out of the car anytime we need. Now let's try driving around the block and then see how you're doing. And then kind of expand your world bigger and bigger right. and bigger right. um, the further out you go. But that's practice. That's resilience. And that is learning how to, um, uh, well, uh, the way I phrase it is, we grow best when we are safe but uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Yes. You did that. You knew that you were safe strapped into a, a, a parachute while you're being drugged behind a boat. Yes. But it was uncomfortable. Yes. And it helped you grow. And you have that experience now that informs your brain every time right. you feel limited now going, wait a second, I handled that. Maybe I can handle this. Right. And and I do that every time I hike on the mountain and yes. I start to hit a, yes. a spot where my body physically is challenged beyond yep. what I mentally think I'm capable of. And I go, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I do this almost every day. I've, I've done 18 miles of tough mutter. Yep. I'm capable. Yep. I don't feel like it in the moment. I just have to get past this yeah. moment. It's yeah. a moment. It doesn't last long, yeah. but it feels when you kick into that survival brain, it feels like you're never going to get out. Yeah. It feels like things are never going to be fixed, that you're always going to be broken. Yeah. And um, let, me, let me end with one last story, the story of Sammy. Okay, because this actually comes from one of uh, my favorite authors, a trauma therapist, um, and kind of the approach, uh, he calls it somatic processing. Um, and this is the approach, even if you have a trauma history, this is the approach that is kind of becoming industry standard for um, trying to deal with childhood or even adult trauma, stuff that's been deeply hardwired into your system. Um, that's why we're talking about this experiential component. It's why I called myself an experiential therapist when I was doing therapy. Um, Sammy is a two-year-old little boy who is the son of the author. Um, Peter is the author's name. Peter's over this family, and this family has a two-year-old little boy named Sammy. Um, and um, Sammy is just pissy. He is unhappy. He's grumpy. He's angry. He's, he's kind of defiant beyond the normal terrible twos kind of thing. Right. And Peter, the author is asking the parents, what's going on here? And they go, yeah, this started up, um, about six months ago when he was in his high chair and, um, he fell out of the high chair and slid his chin open and had to go in and uh, get stitches. And when they um, had to stitch up his, the, his chin, they put him in what's called a pediatric papoose. They strap his arms and legs down because two-year-olds don't like to have their faces fiddled with, especially when they're in pain by strange guys in masks. Mm -hmm. Freaks out little kids. And the only practical way of doing this is to 
strap the little kid down, strap their head down, give them a little pain, a shot of uh, painkiller, and then stitch up the chin. We know what that's like because our Sammy, true story, our child Sam, who's now 24 years old, um, did the same thing. He split his head open right between his eyes, and I was in the doctor's office when they put him in a pediatric papoose. They strap him down. Fascinating story. Um, but ever since that experience, Sammy's been different. Um, and to kind of test it, he took um, Pooh Bear, little, his little Pooh Bear, Bear, put him on the edge of a, 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 the counter and fell off. And he goes, oh, man, Pooh Bear has an injury. He needs to go to the doctor. And, and Sammy freaks out. Yes. He, he just runs away. Obviously, there's a charge to the experience. Sammy remembers what's happening. You can't take a two-year-old to, to talk therapy. No. And have him talk about his feelings and have him talk about what went on and process it that way. That just doesn't work. So what they did is, um, with the permission of the parents, they started this experiential process. And so what they did is they... Um, they took Pooh Bear and they knocked him off the counter again. It says we got to get Pooh Bear taken care of. And then they um, took mom and mom laid down on the couch and they put a blanket over mom and Pooh Bear and kind of held it down gently um, while they kind of pretended to, to put stitches in Pooh Bear's chin there. And then afterwards, mom pulls the blanket off and stands up and is okay. But this causes so much distress in Sammy, he has a hard time watching it. And then it's dad's turn. Dad sits down with Pooh Bear. They put a blanket over dad. Pooh Bear gets the little stitches. Dad pushes off the blankets and um, is, is okay. And Sammy was able to kind of tolerate it or watch it a little bit longer. Then it was the grandparents were there. They're part of the story. Then it was grandma's turn to kind of do that. And she pushes the blankets off and kind of gets out of this thing. Grandpa goes next. He gets out of this thing. And as every person kind of does it before Sammy, he's able to watch it longer and longer, tolerate it longer and longer. And it becomes more endurable. And then finally, they said, you know, Sammy, would you like to try this? And so brave little Sammy, two-year-old, he lays down on the couch with Pooh Bear and they put a blanket over him and just lightly hold it down. And you can see this terror show up in his eyes for about two seconds. And then he realizes, remembers, oh, this is what happens. And he rips the blankets off and he stands up and he runs away and he goes over and he grabs mom, actually grabs dad's leg and he goes, uh, dad, dad, get this thing off of me. I don't like it. I don't like it. And the dad goes, I can't believe those are the exact words he said when he was in this papoose thing. When he was in that pediatric papoose, he could not get out. He right. was trapped and his brain was kind of stuck in that cycle of, I can't get out of this. And so this is just scary thing happening. He now has a different experience where he's able to escape. He's actually able to get his body to practice ripping off these blankets to, for his body to move through the whole cycle that says, I'm trapped, but I can get out. I can yes. escape and I can survive. And it wasn't someone else who got him out. It no, was he, he was able to get out. himself out. Yes. And ever since then, he's just been back to the normal happy little boy because he isn't kind of stuck in that, that loop of right. I'm trapped, I'm trapped, I'm trapped. In fact, that's kind of a definition of trauma is I'm stuck. I can't get out of something and it just keeps kind of replaying over and over. But the way to get out of it was an experiential component. Right. Sammy had to get brave enough to do something uncomfortable. Lay down on the couch and put a blanket over him lightly. Right. That was terrifying for a two-year-old. Sure. But he went through it and he endured and he, he got it resolved. That is how you start patching the holes in your bucket. Yep. That is the work that has to happen. There isn't a whole lot of other ways. There's versions of it, but it's the same principle 
no matter what. Like you said, you have to be willing to go back and look at the stories that have put the holes in the bucket in the first place. Yes. And deal with them. And the experiential model tends to be the best. Yep. Okay. I liked that one. I think that was... We hope that that's helpful for everyone yeah. who's listening right now. We hope you're going, man, there's some, there's some dots that are being connected. Some right. things are clicking finally. I'm starting to understand myself and okay, what might I need to do experientially? What do I need to do and be willing to challenge myself? Right. And, and choose to be uncomfortable because I know that there's freedom in the end. And yes. you're willing to skid into the grave, battered and bruised and scarred, but going, man, look at the life I've lived. I am not afraid of anything anymore. Right. That's what we want. We want you to have freedom. Yes. When you do that as an individual, you're the best version of yourself for your spouse. This is a marriage podcast. And the husbands or wives who are willing to go, I recognize my stories interfering with our intimacy or our connection or just our ability to do things. Right. I better go do some of my work because I don't want that to compromise our experience anymore. And just even the the act of doing yeah. for yourself and doing your work Huge. builds connection with your spouse. Huge. Man, your spouse is going, I love you so much because you want to become a better version of yourself. Yes. yes. I love that. No one's going to be complaining about that. Right. No one. So that's why we did what we did today. We hope that it's helpful. We hope that there's, again, it spurs some conversation. If you're listening to this together or you're going, man, I got to get my spouse to listen to this one with me, do that. We know that this stuff's going to help and we know that it will change your marriage and yourself as a human being. So yep. anyway, again, we love doing this. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will see you next time. All righty. Goodbye. Bye-bye.